everybody. I'm Stormy Bonantoni, rinkside reporter for the Golden Knights. And what you're about to hear is Game Misconduct, the Vegas Golden Knights' newest podcast with myself and Senior Manager of Communications and Content for the team, Alyssa Girardi. We'll also have some pretty great guests along the way. Every show, we're talking hockey and lifestyle while showcasing incredible female figures in and around the NHL. On this episode, we chat with NBC host and reporter Katherine Tappan, who shares not only the highs of her sports media career, but the challenges of being a woman in the industry. I had a boss once um, that told me I should be wearing shorter skirts because I have long legs and higher heels. That's a no-fly zone for me, so I made it very apparent very quickly that that's not the way you are to speak to me. And throughout these challenges, she's found solace in leaning on and lifting up other women along the way. So gravitate towards the people that will lift you up and that will support you and gravitate towards those that you can also help along the way because helping someone else will also internally help you. Plus, Tappan had a front row seat co-hosting one of the biggest events in VGK history. I remember T-Mobile Arena being just electric for an expansion draft. Alyssa and I also dive into what was a hectic week for the Golden Knights dealing with a COVID-19 exposure to the coaching staff, Alex Petrangelo's first game against his former team, and we share the unique experience that was the team's first road trip. Time now to welcome you in to Game Misconduct. So super excited about this show, really thrilled that we were able to lock in Catherine Tappan. So early in this series, she's obviously such an incredible representative for women in sports. And we're going to get into a lot of stuff today, talking VGK as usual. We have a lot to unpack when it comes to the first game that the Golden Knights played in their two game set with St. Louis our perspective and some of the impacts of that. We'll get weird <laughs> um, at the end of the show like we like to, but one thing that we noticed on this past road trip was it was really cool that everybody was obviously very dialed in to the last game of the series against Arizona, but it was also AFC and NFC Championship Day, and I was cracking up at how many people had that football broadcast <laughs> up on their phone. Yeah, on the on the flight back, I think it was on most of the seat back television. So, Stormy, you're a, you're a big football guy. You big football guy. You know, <laughs> big football guy. Uh, your 49ers are you know no longer playing. Sorry, you just had to you just had to bring that up. Had to I be mean, rude. Aren't you? Aren't you I'm a, a Detroit Lions fan? fan? Yeah, I have no room to talk, or I have all the room to talk because there's nothing you can say that I haven't heard. So I want to know who your Super Bowl predictions are. And I would also like to commend you for saying that you're super excited because little play on words, you knew we were going to talk Super Bowl. Super Bowl excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So when, when I don't have a dog in the fight, I really usually make my Super Bowl picks around storylines. And I like both storylines for both teams right now. I think it's pretty cool, regardless of how the officiating was in a certain conference championship game, that Tom Brady is going to go to another Super Bowl with a different team. And like the like a fine wine, the older he gets, the better he seems to, to be at leading a team. And then also the Chiefs having the opportunity to go back to back with a young quarterback facing a guy like Tom Brady, who's old enough to be Patrick Mahomes' dad, I think <laughs> is just, I'm all for it. Yeah. Like I'm just here for the storylines I don't if I had a pick Brady gets another Super Bowl what do you think so when I don't have a dog in the fight which has been every Super Bowl um I just root against Tom Brady so I go with the Chiefs (laughs) so (laughs) I typical yeah typical Michigan State girl over here so I'm gonna go with the Chiefs um and ooh, we should do a little wager do something fun you have the upper hand here because the Chiefs did beat the Bucks in what was it like week 12 or something um and like Mahomes won that duel so you have the upper hand but it's hard to beat a team twice 
Hard to beat a team twice. What do you guys think we should wager on this? You have a couple weeks to think on it. Let us know what you think. And I think the loser should have to do something. Always. And we have to do it. Once we pick what it is, the loser has to do whatever the thing is. And I am all for that. Regardless, I think it's going to be a great game. And that's all that really matters. And I know that... VGK fans, you want to get to a great game at the Fortress here soon, and unfortunately, we can't do that yet, but you can still show your pride for the Golden Knights by going to VegasTeamStore.com and getting all of your swag, including stuff from VGK Authentics, which is the official home for all game-used Golden Knights merchandise. So you can get game-used pucks, jerseys, a ton of stuff. Seriously, owning a piece of your favorite Golden Knights player has never been more easy. So make sure you check out all of those great items on VGK Authentics by visiting, again, VegasTeamStore.com. And now we are so excited to have have Catherine Tappan join us on Game Misconduct. For those of you who don't know, she is a broadcaster on NBC with a lengthy list of things that she has covered over the years. So Stormy, can you take us through some of the highlights? Because there are many. It makes sense since we were just talking about the Super Bowl coming up here soon. She has covered Super Bowls. Catherine legitimately does it all with NBC right now. She covers the NHL, Notre Dame football, Football Night in America. She's also done the Summer and Winter Olympics and previously worked for NHL Network and Nesson. Every person that talks about Catherine Tappan talks about how prepared and kind-hearted and just never has a bad thing to say about her. So we are so excited to be able to visit with her and share a little bit more about her and her background with all of you. First of all, Catherine, thanks so much for joining us. You are the exact type of person that we want to have on these podcasts that is such a good representation of women in sports. And we actually just ran through a number of the incredible accomplishments that you have had, events that you've been able to cover in your career, which we won't need to rehash because it's your life. You've experienced it. But we're also just curious if in doing all of those different things, you have any one event or moment that really, really stands out to you. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. Um, It was a no brainer for me to jump on and I'm super excited about the work you guys are doing and very proud of the work you're doing. I think the more and more we have this throughout the league and throughout our, our sport that we love the national hockey league and other sports, I think it's just tremendous. It's going to make girls realize that if you, if you see it, you can be it. Um, So thank you for having me on. I guess I would say, um, I mean, there are just, there've just been so many pinch me moments in my career that I can't really pin down one in particular that's more meaningful than the others, but I will say, you know, growing up and being an athlete myself growing up, I always dreamed of one day performing in the Olympics and being competitive and and talented enough to perform at the Olympics. Um, So the next best thing would be obviously to broadcast the Olympics. And I've had the opportunity to do a number of them now. My first one was in Sochi in 2014, kind of my introduction to NBC at the time. Um, But I, you know, there's nothing greater in my mind than watching these amateur athletes um, compete and try and train their entire lives. Many of them only get one opportunity to do so. And there is a rawness to that. There's, there's such great storytelling. It's the essence of sports and it's on a global scale. And you get the opportunity to see athletes from all around the world and broadcast these amazing moments. And you get so proud as an American or Canadian or whoever you're rooting for, um, to see the success of your athletes. So I think, you know, for me, the Olympics have been a real, um, proud moment for me to be a part of. I'd say, you know, the Super Bowls are always up there. The Stanley Cup final when you're on the road for the best of seven game series in different cities with your colleagues. Those are also amazing. And and then some of the sit downs I've had the opportunity to do with athletes and broadcasters. You know, my colleague Eddie Olchek, who sat down with me for a great show a couple of years ago talking about his survival from cancer and just the ups and downs he went through. I mean, I was it took a lot for me to not cry during that interview because he's one of my dear friends and the pain that he went through, I felt like I was reliving it all over again. So these are just a lot of the moments that come to my mind initially. Uh, I've been so blessed over almost 18 years of doing this that it seems like, you know, you have to force yourself to take a step back and really look at what you've done because it can fly by in a minute and you just forget to take a moment and really appreciate it. So those are probably, that's a long winded answer, but I, you know, it's, there's a lot of special moments for me. 
No. And I mean, right off the top, we are actually giving our Super Bowl predictions and picks and stuff. We're like, who better to talk about than somebody who has broadcast <laughs> Super Bowls and has that experience. But I yeah. think that that's a really interesting point. And something, honestly, I think that I've struggled with in my career is being able to take that step back because when you're working an event, you're so focused on the event and what you have to cover and what you have to get to and who you have to talk to when was that a difficult thing for you ever to be able yeah. to just kind of step out of yourself and realize like, Hey, this is really cool. I'm working at the Olympics. I get to experience this. I think it still is. I mean, when you're in that moment, you have to focus. You can't think about how big the moment is. And I always try, you know, it's so cliche with athletes, but I always try to take each big event that we do and not treat it any differently. For example, I just recently broadcast on my first NFL wildcard game and it happened to be Tom Brady um, against the Washington football team. And this is a humongous platform. It's a huge game. It's the biggest NFL game I've had the opportunity to broadcast um, on the sidelines. I have done Super Bowls, but in a very different role. This was being a part of the game broadcast. And I, you know, throughout the week, I just had to tell myself, it's just like every other game. You prepare the exact same way. You get to the stadium the same way. You put your shoes on the same way for that game. And as long as you prepare that way, you'll never you'll never fail because you stick to your system. But it's afterwards that you sit back and think, man, I just did maybe one of Tom Brady's final playoff games. We don't know how much longer he's going to play. Maybe you know, his, Definitely it was his first of his career as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I mean, he had this historic run with the Patriots, and here he is playing his first playoff game with, with um, Tampa Bay. So – it was after the fact that I took a moment to reflect and I'm trying to get better at doing that. Um, keeping a journal, trying to write down some significant moments. Cause you forget, I mean, you forget certain people along the way that really impacted you in those moments. Um, you know, and it's, it's important to remember them, but when you're in that moment, you just, you have to focus on it. You can't think this is so big. This is so amazing. Treat it as any other game, but afterwards definitely take a moment to, to realize what you did. I think it's part of the growing process and a very important part of that growing process. I love the way you describe the way you get ready for games because it sounds so similar to the way that athletes prepare for the game is, you know, putting your your shoes on the same way and just <laughs> staying in that mindset. And so I love that. And one event that Golden Knights fans will remember you from is the expansion draft, which you hosted with Darren Millard a few years back. And I actually grabbed these. These are the cards that Darren had on every single player that we had drafted that day. And they are just, they're scribbles, they're written notes. Yeah, they're different that's so fonts. amazing. They're so cool that he has these. So we wanted to ask you what you remember from that night, because it was obviously one of the most important for our organization. So how was that covering yeah. that for you? First of all, kudos to Darren for saving those. I don't know that they made it in my suitcase back to New York after the expansion draft. Um, I have gotten better at saving some notebooks along the way, but I'm like, who's going to want to see my chicken scratch from a Notre Dame football game? But, oh, wait, this was a big historic game when they beat Clemson. I should probably hold on to this. Um, I remember being really, you know, I was, I was trying to learn the format. I was trying to learn how this was going to all work. It was my first expansion draft. Um, I remember interviewing Marc-Andre Fleury and just being, I mean, he is one of my favorite people to interview, always has been, always will be. As you guys know, there's nothing short of a smile on his face. He genuinely cares about where he's playing. He had no bad blood about leaving Pittsburgh. He was super excited to be a new face of the Golden Knights. I remember T-Mobile Arena being just electric for an expansion draft. Um, I remember rehearsing with Darren Millard and we had so much fun and we, you know, bantered with each other. And, you know, I just, I was backstage with one of my longtime producers, Joe Whalen, who was getting us through the show. And then you get all dressed up for it. I mean, there was just so much energy and excitement around this. And it was also kind of around the NHL awards, which to me is the, one of the best events of the year every year. It's, it's sort of, you take a deep breath after a long run at the Stanley cup final, you've been on the road for a while, but you get excited to get back on a plane and go out to Vegas to do the NHL awards. So that year was unique in that we also had the expansion draft. Um, it, there was a sense of anticipation. And anytime you get a show like that, where, you know, all the fans at home are just dying to see where 
the chips fall and where they're going to be and who their team is going to pick, you know, that just gets your energy going too, as a broadcaster, it's, it's exciting. And it's giving franchises an opportunity to get better with one player. And that's, you know, that doesn't happen every year. So it was, it was a great, a great event to be a part of. I, I hope I'm a part of the one when Seattle gets to do their expansion draft as well. And uh, we'll see, but it, we, Darren and I had a great time. That was one of the many broadcasts we've had a chance to kind of co-host together and, you know, it gets intense at times, but we have so much fun doing it. Kevin, I need to know if you have any dirt on Darren you can share with us, please. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I mean, every time I've worked with Darren, he's a total pro and, you know, we, we have a great broadcast and then we go our separate ways. He was in Canada forever. I mean, we were going up, I would go up to Toronto for the NHL draft lottery show and the two of us would host it from up there. And, uh, you know, it's like a 24 hour grind. And then you say goodbye. And I'm like, well, I, I didn't even get to talk to Darren. I don't even know like how he's doing, but, uh, that's kind of the way our industry works. It's hello, goodbye, quick work, and then out of town. So, um, no, I don't have any dirt on him. I, Darren's, Darren's great. He does a great job. And, uh, you guys are, you guys are lucky you have him. <laughs> yeah. He's amazing. Um, but I love that you called him a total pro because I feel like that's something that I've heard time and time and time again about you is that you're one of the most professional, prepared, on time, diligent, kind, good person. Like all of these characteristics have been used to describe you. I feel like a lot of women at times feel like, oh, I have to be this go getter and be hard or undercut others to get what I want in this world. But not necessarily that mentality that kindness and doing things the right way can get you far. And from everything that I know about you, you're so well respected and it's for a reason. I'm sure you've had to work at that. Thank you. It like makes, brings a tear to my eye because um, I truly do. I truly do believe in values. I mean, I was raised um, by two incredible parents, a very close family, aunts, uncles, cousins, my sister, my big sister, like all, everyone's very close. And, you know, we were always, I was raised Catholic and I am very strong in my faith. And I just always believe that, I mean, the industry is going to eliminate people, whether you're kind or you're mean or whatever. I mean, but if you stay true to yourself and you live your life and you conduct yourself professionally, the only way you know how to, then you can go to bed at night and, you know, have a restful sleep and know that you have the respect of everyone around you and whether or not your network or your bosses or whomever decides they no longer want you for the job and you move on and you go somewhere else, at least, you know, you never jeopardized your values or you never compromised who you are as a human being. And, um, the industry can be really difficult. Um, a lot of the times it still is for me. There's, there's a lot of moments, um, especially in the last year and a half, two years that have been very, very challenging for me to navigate through. But when you have that reputation, it's amazing how many people come forward to support you in times of need or in times of great moments. You know, I mean, my text blows up when I get to do an NFL game because people are like genuinely excited that I've had this opportunity because I worked hard to get it. But um, as far as the kindness, and it's interesting because I did a podcast um, over quarantine with somebody who was just starting off. And that person asked me, well, how do you make your personality so likable on TV? Like what characteristics do you do to make yourself, you know, the the person you are that people want to watch? And I, I was surprised by the question. And I said, well, that's me. You know, I mean, what you see is what you get. And I, I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind is that people watching TV can tell if you're fake, if you're real, if that's really your personality, if it's not, I mean, listen, we all watch reality shows and we see TV and we can pinpoint who is not genuine. Um, I think when it comes to sports casting, you're delivering entertainment to an audience that is passionate, that wants to see it. So be yourself and enjoy it and appreciate it and accept it as best as you can as well. But you don't need to change who you are in order to be good at your job. And, um, you know, that was really important for me to communicate to that individual at the time that no, stick to who you are and your personality is going to be like, by you. not everyone has to be me, you know, not everyone has to be you, Stormy, are you, Alyssa? It's just the way that you are is going to bring fans. It's going to make people like you because you're genuine. I love that. That's such a great answer. And sticking on the topic of kindness, something that Stormy and I have talked about the last couple episodes is the importance of women in this industry lifting each other up and reaching out with kindness to each other. So we wanted to talk to you about the importance for you of reaching out to other women and maybe some women when you were entering the industry that reached out to you and helped lift you up and helped guide you and how important that is for you now 
how to be that voice for younger women who are entering the industry and looking up to you? Yeah, I think it's, you know, anytime you can pay it forward is huge. I had so many great role models growing up. And when I was in college and I knew I wanted to do this for a living, um, men and women who I can name, you know, who helped me along the way, focusing on the female side. I mean, I, I grew up a huge fan of Leslie Visser. She's one of the greatest to ever do our job. Um, she's done it better than anybody and she's done it for a long, long time. And she reached out to me when I was working in Boston because she started her career in Boston as a writer for the Boston Globe. And she just sent me a little email. She got my email from someone. Obviously she knew how to get it. And I was blown away. I'm like, oh my God, Leslie Visser emailed me and told me I'm doing a great job. She was watching me on the Nesson hockey games doing Boston Bruins hockey. She was a huge, you know, had retired out of the Boston market, but was living in Florida at the time, but still watched all the Bruins and the Red Sox games. So she saw my work and I just couldn't believe it. And she has stayed in touch over the years when we did the women's broadcast um, last March, the all-female NHL game, which was awesome. I heard from Leslie and, you know, she picks her time. It's not like she's emailing me all the time saying, rah, rah, you're doing a great job. I mean, she, she's very, you know, poignant with her message. And she also chooses wisely when she wants to reach out. So she's been great over the years. I finally had an opportunity to meet her in person at uh, our Super Bowl in Minnesota. Totally random. We both ran into each other in the bathroom at the big convention center, like running back and forth to our jobs. And I was like, oh my God. And we both, that's where we met. So we took a picture in the bathroom together. <laughs> I was like, I need to, I need to document this. Um, but you know, Leslie Visser's been huge. Jackie McMullen in Boston, who's a longtime writer as well, covering the NBA for the Boston Globe. She's also on ESPN. Um, she was great with me early on in my career when I was right out of college and covering the Patriots and going in a locker room for the first time in my career and not knowing what the heck to do and how, you know, I wanted to make sure I conducted myself the right way. How do you get the interview while also being in this super unusual setting of a men? men I'll never get used so, to that. That is the weirdest. Yeah. That is the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah. It's not. And you know what, guess what? It's weird for them too. I'm yeah. sure. Like this is not normal that, you know, men and women kind of cohabitate in a professional environment like this. I mean, I can't, <laughs> It just doesn't happen except in sports. So it certainly is unique in that sense. Now, that being said, there's ways to do the job correctly in that environment. It's just when you're 22, 23, coming out of college, trying to cover, you know, Tom Brady and the Patriots. And I'm like, "Uh oh, I got to go in there. Can't they come out to me? <laughs> so Jackie was great. Um, and I would just kind of watch her. I watched how she conducted her business. I watched how she did her job every day when we were both covering the Sox or the Patriots or the Celtics. Um, and so just, there's just been, now that I'm at this point in my career, I feel like we all kind of work together. You know, Hannah Storm, I reach out to when I need something and she's super supportive of me and vice versa. Um, you know, Andrea Kramer, and you kind of meet these people along the way at different events that we all are at, whether it's charity events or sporting events that we're covering. And when we meet each other, we both know who each other are, but we haven't met face to face. And it's usually a really nice time to connect with them because, you know, they're so instrumental in what I do and vice versa. So I've had a really, I have to say, I've had wonderful women that have uplifted me. And so that's why I find it so important to speak on your guys' podcast and to go on different platforms that ask me to. I mean, it's a no brainer. Within seconds, I got back to Eric Tosi said, yeah, I'd be happy to do it anytime. You know, um, it's just important. And there are people that don't lift. I know women that don't lift other women up and it's always awkward for me being around those women. Um, but I, I just chalk it up to everybody's different and not everybody has the strength to uplift other their people. So gravitate towards the people that will lift you up and that will support you and gravitate towards those that you can also help along the way, because helping someone else will also internally help you. And the reaction that you described when people first re reached out to you was probably the same reaction that Stormy and I had when Eric was like, yeah, Catherine's totally in. She got back to me right away. Stormy and I were like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> that's that's so amazing. Funny. Thank you again. And Catherine, like, I love that you brought up Leslie Visser because anyone 
anyone who lists listening that maybe doesn't know exactly who she is. She was like the first female TV analyst for the NFL, an amazing sports writer, covered every major event under the sun, Final Four, um, NBA Finals, World Series. Like she's done everything. It's mm-hmm. it's re- she's a really, really special woman. And something that I remember reading like an article from her at one point where she said when she was first starting out, like right on her credential, it said no women or children in the press box, you know? And like yeah. the fact that that was even a thing and just how far women in the industry have come, but still how far women have to go. Even as recently as this week, I was reading an article in The Athletic that was talking about, it was a female reporter who said she was told by a, a boss or a GM or something, I don't want to misquote this, but someone told her, you want to be hot enough so guys want to talk to you, but not so hot that people think you're sleeping with them. And I like, I can't mm-hmm. imagine a boss saying that to, to me. And so I was just curious if you've ever like experienced something like that in in your, I'm sure you have, but if you don't mind sharing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, it makes my stomach churn just hearing that. But, um, of course we've all dealt with somebody who has criticized our appearance or told us, I mean, I had a boss once, um, that told me I should be wearing shorter skirts because I have long legs and higher heels. Um, that's a no fly zone for me. So, I made it very apparent very quickly that that's not the way you are to speak to me. And I think a lot of that is just gaining confidence. Um, Not everyone can take that kind of criticism or take that kind of harassment and, and do, you know, try and turn it off and make better about it. Um, And I feel sad for people that that affects in that regard because everyone deserves an opportunity to do their job and to do it well and to do it as a professional male female, black, white, green, red, I don't care. Like you should all be able to not have to put up with that. And men don't put up with that. No one's going up to a guy and telling him like his, you know, shoes are ugly or he should be wearing something different. I mean, that's ridiculous. So, um, it's, it's a hard, it's, it's a hard balance, especially when you're starting off in this industry. Um, I, I do believe that there is a way you are supposed to conduct yourself. I've always said class always wins. Um, everyone has different tastes in fashion, for example, but there is a perception you have based on what your wardrobe looks like. I mean, there's no question about it. If you're wearing a, a short black leather mini skirt and six inch stilettos and a tank top that's very revealing and you're trying to go into a locker room and conduct yourself in a professional manner. I mean, I don't know anybody that wears something like that professionally. I have all my best girlfriends work on wall street. Like they're not wearing that to work. Um, so there is certainly a level that you have to have for yourself to, you know, not convey the incorrect image. Now I'm not saying that that's, if that's what you want to wear, that's great, but you have to understand there is a public perception. If you saw somebody walking down the street, looking like that, you'd have your own image formed in your head. So, Um, There is a fine line, um, but unfortunately, if something is said like that to somebody, I I do believe that person has the right to stand up for themselves and to to nip it in the bud very quickly. Last week, all the all the stuff that came out with Jared Porter with the New York Mets, uh, former general manager now and what he did to that sports reporter at the time. I mean, it it hurt me so much because I felt so sad that this woman had been deprived of her professional career because she was so shattered from those text messages and felt lesser than that she wasn't able to continue on her dream path of becoming a sports reporter. And I don't know all the details surrounding it. I stopped paying attention to that story. But if that is the situation where she had to walk away from her career, that to me is, and that was only a few years ago, that tells me we're nowhere near where we need to be. It's just unacceptable. And we need to continue to be strong and support each other call on somebody when something like that happens and say, Hey, how do I handle this? Right. Cause it needs to be handled and it needs to be handled properly. So it never happens again. And that's just the pattern. We just have to keep doing and keep, it's like telling a child over and over and over again. That's just unfortunately where we're at as women, we're not where we need to be. So we have to continue to reiterate who we are. We're here to stay. We're not going anywhere. So either get used to it or get out. You know, that's as yeah. far as that's as far as I go with it. Yeah, it feels like the the line is so thin for women and it's something that we're constantly thinking about and it doesn't seem like there's ever, you know, right answer and things like clothing, you know, you think about how often are our male counterparts 
thinking about what they're wearing. They just put on a suit and a tie. So it's something that is unique to women in the industry, because like you said, Catherine, our perception is so tied to our visual appearance in a way that our male counterparts don't have to experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I think, listen, I think, you know, sexy and attractive is in the eye of the beholder, but it's also, there's so many ways you can be attractive. You can feel sexy. You can feel, um, you know, really desired by what you want to wear and how you want to, to convey yourself. I mean, you know, it's not always, you know, trashy. It doesn't always have to be that way. And I think that if you can actually get yourself to a point where you feel so confident, I mean, confidence and wearing a smile to me Mm -hmm. is the most attractive anyone can be in this industry. So, um, and I see that across the board with so many women I respect in the industry, they always look confident. And I'm like, wow, that, that to me is sexy. That is appealing. That is something that, um, I would hope that their partner in life would, would want in their, their mate. Um, I will say that, you know, I heard last week with all these conversations surrounding the Mets story, and I just am focusing on that because it's the most recent in my mind. But there was one female reporter who came out and was talking about something that I also I also feel strongly about. We can't go up to athletes the way male journalists can. For example, if I walk into a hotel that I'm staying at with my NBC sports team, and let's say the the team that we're covering is in there and there's a couple players at the bar having a drink or they're having dinner together. I mean, like for me to go up, even at this stage of my career, for me to go up and let's say sit down next to them, pick their brain, maybe ask them about the game. It's totally perceived differently than if a male journalist who's been in the industry forever sits down next to the athlete and starts picking his brain and asking how the game went, if the athlete allows him to people will walk right by and not think twice about it. But if I'm sitting there, it's immediately perceived as, not appropriate behavior or one of us is, you know, flirting with the other. And that unfortunately still exists and it still exists with people that are credible in the industry. And my my best advice to that is to just know who you are. If I need to get information from a player and I happen to walk by and he says hello to me and I say hello to him and we're chit chatting, I know in my heart, I'm not doing anything wrong. I know I'm conducting myself as professionally as any other male walking into that hotel lobby. Um, and if someone perceives you differently or starts rumors, so be it. Uh, I think that it's just at some point you have to realize you're doing your job too. And while the perception may look different, you're still entitled to do your job the same way a male journalist can. So, you know, sometimes you just have to quiet the noise because people are going to talk. They're going to like you. They're not going to like you. They're going to support you. They're not going to support you. You can't win. So why try to gain others, you know, support and others likeness? You know, you want everybody to like you. Well, sometimes they're not. So just keep doing your job and know that you're doing it right. And players respect me. I'm not ever worried about that. So why would I care what Joe Schmo walking into the room thinks if I'm standing next to a player talking to him? I think about that all the time, especially like when it comes to having a player or a higher ups phone number or something because you're following up on a story that just is it's less understandable when you're a woman having that phone number versus some of our male counterparts that would just easily text up coach so and so and ask about this. But if it's me doing it, it could be perceived in a weird way. But one thing that we do like to ask all of our guests that come on here is their rookie reminder. So if you could go back and tell rookie Catherine Tappan anything before you really got into the industry, what would you tell her? Oh my gosh. That was like a hundred years ago. Uh, <laughs> Stop. That's, a really, that's a really good question. I would tell her, don't join social media. Right? Don't read the <laughs> comments. These things even existed yes. when I first started out. I would actually probably tell rookie Catherine to not be so afraid to say no. Sometimes when you're first starting off, you yes, everybody, you know, and then it becomes a pattern and then you become 15, 20 years in like I am. And I'm still saying yes to everything. I mean, it took me, if I had learned early on that it's okay to say no to certain things, then I, I wouldn't have missed out on other things personally. I think, um, you know, when you first start out, especially as a local TV person, like I did, you know, I missed out on weddings and, and family events and, and that's okay. And you have to make sacrifices along the way in your career, but it's okay to say no from time to time. Don't think that your job is going to go away because you really want to be at dad's surprise 50th, or you really want to be there for your family or your sister really needs you for something. And guys, I know I'm supposed to host tomorrow night, but is it okay if I take the day off, I'll make it up with two other days. I mean, I think that's a really important message because 
sometimes if you don't learn that early on, you go 15 years and you realize like, wow, I haven't, you know, I haven't done anything for myself and I haven't um, stood up for myself when I've wanted a day off. And sometimes you need that day off and you just keep going and going and saying, yes, yes, yes. And, and you forget to take a step back and, and take your foot off the gas pedal for a minute. So I guess I would tell, yeah, my rookie self, like, don't be afraid to say no, it's okay. Um, to decline certain opportunities, more will come. Don't worry if you keep working hard, they'll be there, but sometimes it's just not the right fit and it's okay. It's okay to say no to something. Catherine, we have two quick things for you before we go. The first one I need to share with you guys that right on cue, as we were talking about Darren Millard being such a pro, he pushed his face against the glass window that I'm currently looking at and started making faces at me during this podcast. So literally as you were speaking about what a pro he is. So thank you, Darren, for proving that. And the second thing is we need to know about the picture of you and Justin Timberlake on your Twitter header. What is the story? Story there. I Justin Timberlake is He's my first celebrity. Yes, he was my first ever celebrity crush that I've like as a child. So I need to know how did you meet Justin Timberlake? What was he like? Just briefly fill us in on that. I fill forgot that is still on my Twitter. I should probably take that down. It's actually I'm, I can look at it right now. It's on my bulletin board in my kitchen as well. Yeah, I know. I mean, how often do you get to take a picture of Justin Timberlake? He plays in the (laughs) golf tournament I play in uh, every summer at the American Century Championship in Lake Tahoe. It's so much fun. And there's a lot of awesome people there. And it's mostly athletes. It's a lot of retired athletes, current athletes. And I'm like, whatever. I see these guys all the time. Then there's like the occasional actor or actress. And then there's the occasional (laughs) musical superstar icon, greatest celebrity in the universe, Justin Timberlake. (laughs) I was like super nervous. And I was on the driving range. My mom actually caddies for me at this event every year. And so my mom just said, oh, just to let you know, Justin Timberlake's right behind you right now. This is the first year I played. I went like, like right behind me. She's like, I didn't want to turn around. She goes, yeah, no, he's standing right behind you. And I turned around and we made eye contact and I just got this like, go for it. Right. Just go ask him. Just walk up to him. Like we're all on the same loving playing here, level playing field here. So I walked up to him and I just said, you know, hi, Justin, I'm, I'm Catherine Tapp and I'm also playing in this tournament. He couldn't have been nicer. And he was like, Hey, that's great. Like, are you excited to be here? Blah, blah, blah. I said, would you mind if I just get a quick picture? And so that's the picture. So, um, and ever since, you know, he's great. And I mean, each year we see him, he seems to remember my name and and say hello. So he's a big hockey fan, actually likes watching, uh, hockey. He watches, um, I'm sure he's, we should get him a Vegas golden Knights game guys. When we need to life gets back to normal. Yeah. Yes, he, can, he can perform in between the intermissions there. <laughs> Love that idea. He, yeah. I'm with you though. I, I know every single one of his songs by heart. <laughs> Big NSYNC girls over here. So Catherine, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us. You are such an incredible role model for all women in this industry and your kindness and confidence and professionalism is something we all really strive to be. So thank you so much. We really appreciate you chatting with us and see you soon. Yes. Thanks, Alyssa. Thanks, Stormy. It's been a pleasure being with you guys. And if you need me down the road, let me know. But just keep up the great work you guys are doing, too, and and spreading this message, you know, that I know you had Heidi Browning on at the NHL, and she's one of my certainly one of my role models. And I love her. So the more and more you get really, you know, good women on here, I think it's it's only going to be great for you guys. So thanks for having us. I don't think that we could have had better perspective on what it means and what you go through as a woman, as a sports broadcaster, or really just any female working in a male dominated type of an industry than you could have with the perspective that Catherine gave us in that conversation, Alyssa. I totally agree. Her honesty was incredible and the perspective she provided and you know she's been like she said she's been doing this for a while so there's probably very little she that she hasn't experienced so just hearing about how she handles things that a lot of women are struggling with and I would include us two in that a lot of what we talked to her about are are just things that we try to figure out how to deal with on a day-to-day basis so just hearing her be honest and raw about some of the things that you know she has has worked through and what has become a way for her to deal with things like confidence in yourself and your perception your appearance like that is invaluable to hear even the little things of her addressing her boss who had commented 
on her outfit and wanting her to wear shorter skirts and her just saying like no that's not okay that's empowering to hear that that's okay to say that you are entitled to speak up when something is uncomfortable to you and that's an empowering feeling and knowing that that's how you improve situations by speaking up and saying I, I hear you, but no, that's not the way you're going to speak to me. It's an empowering feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And on, on a lighter note of this, I love that she said that she fangirled over Justin Timberlake, that she's just like this, because it's true. Being around athletes all the time in this profession, you see them more as people than you do as this big celebrity. And like, of course they are. We, we all know that they're at the absolute peak of their field and that we see all of the fans that are waiting outside of games to get autographs and all of those things but for sports for us because we work in it every single day and we do interact with them on a more personal basis we see them more as human whereas someone like Justin Timberlake is superhuman and like you do see that celebrity he's factor he's not a human you guys <laughs> so Stormy have, have you ever fangirled fangirl probably is about like not the right way to put it but have you ever been starstruck in a work environment um okay yes one, but I didn't I didn't fangirl or anything, but it was definitely like I had to get myself in check a little bit because the first big college basketball games that I had ever worked were Kentucky basketball games. And John Calipari is um, obviously one of the most well-known coaches in college basketball history. And I was just a little bit nervous going into that and I was still like pretty green I felt like in the reporting world getting that kind of opportunity and didn't really know if I was ready for it and had a lot of nerves and then he was so welcoming and such a chatterbox and easy to talk to and then it felt normal pretty instantly and I'm good about being professional I feel like regardless of the situation and I can yeah, fangirl later to, yeah. like I mean I bet you wouldn't know with me talking to Catherine Tavin that I'm such a nerd and think she's so cool and I've been <laughs> a Notre Dame football fan my entire life and so the minute she stepped on that football field I was like oh my gosh you do the NHL and you do Notre Dame football what <laughs> so but you wouldn't she's have known goals. that in the interview because I kept it together <laughs> I'm very proud of you, Stormy. You did keep it together until like the second she hung up. Huh. <laughs> yeah, until we until we press leave on the Zoom. Sports-wise, <laughs> sports one of my big ones, though, that if I ever met him, I would totally really have to get myself in check is Joe Montana. He's somebody that I've idolized since I was a baby and just is the coolest thing in the world. So that would be one. And then so I actually met. Ah! Oh, you met Joe Montana? Ahead. No, no, no. Oh. I met somebody else who was one of my athletes that I would have <laughs> been nervous around. And he came. It was Shaq. <gasps> so he came to a yeah. Golden Knights game and it was uh, it was part of a show that they were doing to promote his uh, his new restaurant out here in Vegas, and so they were filming. And he's one of the greatest athletes of all time. Like, it's it's freaking Shaq, man. Like, how can you nobody see Shaq? And he's like, oh yeah, cool, whatever. <laughs> and again, like you said, they're just people. They're just athletes. He's just a really t- tall one who happens to be one of the, you know, the best to play this sport. But that was one that I really had to, like, rein it in of, whoa. And then it's the also his physical presence of, like, I've never seen a human this large. <laughs> that's, that's an <laughs> so excellent point. It's hard to treat him like a normal person. So... I've not met Joe Montana. Montana. Okay. Sorry. You got me. I got you, you excited yeah, there. You, you got me going there for a second. But anyways, let's move on to some Golden Knights talk because Alyssa was obviously a very, very unique circumstance this week. Something that we've never seen in the NHL with a COVID exposure on the Golden Knights coaching staff, which in turn made there be no standard Golden Knights coaches. So no Pete DeBoer, no Ryan McGill, Ryan Craig out there on the bench, but instead, general manager Kelly McCrimmon and the Henderson Silver Knights AHL staff come out. I mean, it was just, it was such a wild day. What was your perspective? Very wild. And how many teams have that as an option of grabbing your general manager and saying, hey, you have years and years of head coaching experience. I guess uh, you can do this. (laughs) So I don't think there's many teams who have that. And Stormy, you brought up post-game talking to Kelly McCrimmon, which was such a great point that the organization has talked about having 
the Henderson Silver Knights right in town and all the benefits for the players and for people, you know, our hockey ops team going to be able to watch them and limited travel for them and whatnot. Nobody thought that a benefit would turn out to be that we have another coaching staff right in town to fill in. So that was a really funny thing that nobody had thought of. Yeah, Kelly was like, well, that's not why we brought the Silver Knights to town, but it was certainly a godsend in this situation. Yeah, it was. And I mean, what a wild game that first game was with St. Louis this year. And we're so accustomed to seeing those kind of wild comebacks from the Golden Knights in T-Mobile Arena against that team. And it was another one of those scenarios that night going to overtime again, tied at four, going to a shootout. It's just incredible given all of the circumstances, I think what a great (laughs) and entertaining game it ended up being. But just in terms of like this exposure in general, the first thing I thought when all of this went down was that this is something that happens to other teams and other groups. You know, it it doesn't happen to you. And I felt a little bit of a jolt and a, a shock knowing that that had occurred on our team and everyone from that moment that the news that we received it a couple hours before puck drop I think everybody just went into this mode of we've already been ultra cautious, but let's take it one step further and just make sure that we are extra distant and that we are mask up above the nose at all times. Things like that, that sometimes you can see let slip. We can't let that slip. And even Max Pacioretty said after the game that, you know, this is a group that's tried to be ultra vigilant and takes pride in it. And you see that little bit of of luck that Pete DeBoer said from the get go that can come with COVID. Yeah. And listen, I don't think we expected this to happen, but you know, coming into this season, knowing that this was not going to be the same type of bubble as it was in the return to play last season, there's a certain level of risk. And everybody knew that coming into this season. And we've seen other teams, you know, go through similar things that the Golden Knights are going through now. And I would really like to commend the group inside the bubble for, you know, being on top of it. And just want to emphasize that the coaches who were quarantining, it was out of an abundance of caution. So it wasn't, hey, the entire coaching group tested positive. It was through contract tracing or contact tracing, excuse me. And it was handled so well from the inside to limit any potential exposure, keep the groups inside the bubble as separate as possible. And it's unfortunate, like you said, you never really think it's going to happen to you, but... When it does, there are plans in place to protect all all the parties involved, and it's still playing out as we speak. We still don't know what the next couple of days or couple of weeks are going to look like, but again, this is a situation that the NHL had planned for in putting together this season's plan and there's protocols in place and people smarter than you and I who are (laughs) deciding the right way to handle this and we're just you know following the rules so it was it was weird but and they definitely like put into action right away that hey, we're going to close the facility the next day. Everybody just come in, do that drive-through round of testing so that we can see if there is any other spread. But um, yeah, again, like you said, we'll just have to wait in the coming days and weeks to see the the potential fallout from this. But it is good to know that our staff at the VGK has been as vigilant as they have. And this completely overshadowing the main storyline <laughs> that we had all prepared for coming into this game yeah. of former Blues captain and Stanley Cup champion, the first Blues player in in history for that club to lift the Stanley Cup over his head, Alex Petrangelo playing his former team for the first time. Yeah, you have to wonder what was going through his head going into that game and for me, reminiscent of what players probably felt in the first season playing the teams that they were selected from. And it had that kind of vibe of, oh, playing your former team for the first time. And a lot of those guys, it was the Golden Knights were the first or second team they've only played for. So, you know, we didn't, like you said, get a chance to really dig into that too much with him after the game because there were other larger issues that were kind of overshadowing it. But it had to have been weird for him and it had to have been kind of weird during the game. I remember looking up and seeing Tori Krug out there and it was kind of, it was, I wonder what he was thinking. 
<laughs> just because that was the block big blockbuster. <laughs> and I still can't get over Tori Krug is now living in Alex Petrangelo's old house. Like he, he sold so it funny. to him in St. Louis. Just such an interesting tie there, making that transition easier on both of them. But yeah, for for Alex, I had the fortunate opportunity pregame before we found out all of the COVID news to speak to him briefly and just see what he was thinking on his drive to the arena that day because previously it said, you know, I'm really just trying to get this one out of the way, yeah, <laughs> um, get this one done with. And he said he'd be lying if he didn't say he was a little nervous. And he was, but he was excited to play his friends. He knew it would be a competitive, fun game, which it ended up being. And as you said, everybody on this team has had to play a former team. We don't have many young players like Cody Glass, Nick Hagan, Zach Whitecloud, who have kind of come up in the organization, but everyone else has had to play a former team. And so he had a lot of people to lean on if he wanted or felt like he needed advice in that area. And how bad is it? I know it just can't be me. How bad did you want him to get the game-winning goal that oh. he had such a good opportunity? Oh, and I know. <laughs> I know. It was, we were waiting for that storybook ending and it didn't come. But luckily with this weird season, we have what feels like a thousand more chances for him to score a game winner against his former team. So I did want to bring up Stormy. Speaking of former teams, David Perron... <laughs> playing against the Golden Knights. Can he stop scoring goals? That would be great. Every time he gets the puck on his stick when he's playing us, I feel like he scores a goal. He had, what, two goals on Tuesday? And, of course, we also have to mention Max Pacioretty getting a hat trick. I feel like we can't talk about this game without talking about that. And he did so. He scored two more goals in that game after taking a stick to the face. Like, a stick that went up under his shield, hit his eye, hit his nose, goes on to score two more goals to tie the game. If I took a stick to the face, I'd be out for four to six months. (laughs) And my job requires zero physical activity unless we're running through a metal gate. But... I would be emotionally scarred, but this is why I guess we're not NHL players. Well, I'm glad you brought up running through a metal gate because we have a couple interesting stories for you guys from our time on the road with the team last week. The Golden Knights hit the road for the first time this season for a couple games in Glendale against the Arizona Coyotes. But the best or funniest part of our road trip, I feel like we need to share. Yeah, so story, this was literally out of a movie and I I don't think we'll be able to describe it as dramatic as it was but <laughs> to give you guys a visualization we enter the arena uh, at Gila River through there's a back gate that leads down a steep slope into a loading dock area and so when we get up to the gate, there's typically uh, a guard working or you can call on the intercom and they open the gate and you go down and then you enter the back way. So we were leaving our practice on Saturday and we we're walking up the ramp and there's probably about what 10 to 12 yeah. players halfway up ahead of us walking back to the hotel. And we noticed that there's no intercom on the other side of the gate and there happened to be no guard there. It's a pretty, probably an eight foot gate. So So one of them happens to climb through or over something and hits the intercom. The gate gets open and Stormy and I are probably a good, what, 50 yards behind them at this point. We're far back and we're carrying a lot of stuff. So we each have a backpack carrying two boxes of food for us. Stormy was carrying the silverware and you were carrying something else. Yeah, I had the tripod too. That's right. You had the tripod. So we realize, uh, oh no, we're going to have to do this when we get up there. So we yell, don't leave us behind. Hold the gate. Hold the gate. <laughs> so sweet Zach Whitecloud stands in the way of the gate closing. Have to, you know, activate a sensor to not close. And it wasn't motion censored. So the gate starts to close and it's slowly moving, but we're we're still about at this point by 30 feet back and we're like we need to we need to start running again this is uphill stormy and i don't run 
per se. We're not we're not big we're not in the exercise game. If you catch yeah. my drift I'm- here, and, and mind you, there's as Alyssa said, ten to twelve professional hockey players just standing at the gate watching this all unfold. They did not continue walking to the hotel. They stood there and just wanted to see how this would go. They stood to watch to see if this gate was going to close on us. So again, not athletes us to the gate is closing the uphill really made it a battle and i wasn't going to drop our lunches because we were both hungry so we're running as this gate is closing and this is like straight out of a movie like trying to jump out of you know a burning building before something explodes so that was in my head so stormy gets through the gate and i kid you not i get through this gate with probably a centimeter to spare on either side of my shoulder like it was half a second later i would have either been crunched or half of me would have been through the gate the other half not and as we get through there's just an eruption from the players in- <laughs> we got like a full round of applause and i'm running through there yeah like- that's how i felt they feel when they score goals. It was a victorious moment for both of us. And so then we're walking back to the hotel. We just cannot breathe. We get through the gate. We're feeling pretty good of ourselves. Like we were in Maze Runner and the wall just closed behind us, but we got out. It was this great feeling. And then as she said, we try to catch our breath with masks on and I'm just, (gasps) oh my gosh, this was such a sign that we do not do cardio. This is, and we're embarrassed. We are out of breath from the entire walk from the gate back to our hotel room. Like everyone can hear us. It was hard for us to talk because we were breathing so heavy. It was embarrassing, but it was hilarious. And it was, again, the close, like it felt like it was out of a movie for us. So as much as we hope you have officially enjoyed our embarrassment. There were other things that we wanted to share with you from the road as well. We're excited to be on the road trips <laughs> and be playing hockey in different buildings, but uh, the restrictions are real. So Stormy, what what was the weirdest part to you? I mean, there were a lot of different things. And also just for our folks that are listening right now, this is something that we want to incorporate in the show moving forward when we are talking about the Golden Knights is this kind of unique perspective that we have that is a little bit more behind the scenes. So one of the weirdest things happened right away as soon as we got into our hotel at Arizona and we're walking through the lobby and there's always like these little snacks that are sitting out waiting for the players. You have apples, bananas, oranges, you know, protein bars, Gatorade water, all these different things. And the apples and bananas were all wrapped in saran wrap. And I was like, what? Like individually in the, yeah, packaged. Individually yeah, individually saran wrapped. An apple and a banana, the barriers are supposed to be the protective part of the fruit. And I just, I don't know. But it's all about yeah. just like. You're not eating not, the peel. Yeah, like but it's all about not touching the same things that other people have touched and washing yeah. your hands and saying sanitary. But that was bizarre. What about you? I think the the weird part for me was when we were pulling up and typically when we're pulling up to the hotel, you kind of look around to our little your broadcast team. It's like, OK, what are we what are we doing tonight? Like, oh, yeah, that's that's how it goes. Usually get in the hotel, drop your stuff and then you meet down in the lobby 10 minutes later and you go out to dinner and we were pulling up and I was like, I guess I'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> well, even Pete DeBoer was so funny in the hallway. Um, we were in front of him in line to get into the elevators and we were like, oh, no, go ahead, coach. You're more important than us. And he said, I'm in no rush to get to my hotel room by myself for the rest of the night. Yeah. So pretty much you're in your hotel room grabbing a meal from the designated meal room or you're at the rink. So if you're not at the rink, you're pretty much in your hotel room. So luckily now Stormy has no excuses for not finishing the book recommendations she's receiving because I know how much free time she now has on the road. So not true. Keep bugging her. Not true, (laughs) Alyssa. Maybe I do need to bring the books for the flights. Don't get me wrong for the flights and the bus. I should certainly bring my book and I will. But I am busy just because I'm in the hotel room by myself doesn't mean I'm not busy. I'm prepping. I'm working. I'm editing these pods for the people stormy how many naps were taken during this trip missy low <laughs> oh she's low. giving me a dirty look guys low, low. <laughs> this is karma for making me the game misconduct last week so 
speaking of, um, it's time for the social segment. Time to get weird. Because we weren't already weird. Let's get more weird. What you got? Let's get weirder. <laughs> Maybe that's a better name. So we have two today. One is a little more serious and one is weird. <laughs> We're going to go serious first and end on a fun note. So okay. from Lee, and she asked us both, what would you say to a young girl that may want your job? Well, first off, before we even get to the advice part, I'd just say, can't wait. I can't wait for you to be the next girl to grow up and take my job because I'm all for championing those who want to be involved in sports in any capacity. I'll be your biggest fan. So anybody listening and you want to connect, let's talk. (laughs) Always able to make myself available to give advice or help. And now as far as that advice goes, um, I said this a little bit on our last show, but I would tell any girl coming up if you really want to pursue this type of job to know it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a thick skin. And as Catherine Tappan told us, it takes kindness. I think that there's no excuse to treat anyone in a way that you wouldn't want to be treated. We're going to have bad days, uh, not Every day are you going to feel like you're walking on a cloud and having the best day of your life and have the best attitude, but that doesn't mean you should take it out on other people, especially when you're at work and in my job specifically, the people that work to make me look good. My cameraman, my audio technician, uh, my producer, all of these people that are working really, really hard to get me on air to do a good job. I don't know. I'm just a firm believer in being nice to everybody that you meet. And it was so refreshing to hear somebody like Catherine Tappan have that similar mentality that she's gotten to where she is by being herself and by being kind hearted. Absolutely. I love that. And I would say on a more philosophical side to just surround yourself with people who make you feel like you can have that job and just people who believe that you'll get there and when you're a 14 15 year old girl and say oh, I want to be on TV covering sports one day you know that that's a powerful thing and a lot of people are going to tell you that you aren't cut out for it or tell you you know you don't you don't look the part or you never played the sport so surround yourself with people who believe that you can do it and that'll help you believe that you can do it and that's such a mental hurdle a lot of younger women deal with is just believing that believing what people tell them and don't and people are going to tell you that but your confidence and belief in yourself gets you further than any negativity thrown your way and think stay true to what you know your capabilities are when those times get tough I'm like going to cry right now because I think that's, that's no, that's really, really incredible advice. And I wish that I would have heard that like when I was younger, because that's, I told you that episode one, that I thought this was a pipe dream type of a job because there were so many people that said that too, that it was a pipe dream type of a job. My dad was incredible and he was always like so sports minded and thought once I pursued this path that it was the coolest thing ever and is my biggest fan, watches and critiques every game with me. He'll give me a call or a text and be like, this, this, this was good. This sucked. <laughs> like, oh. and tell it to me, tell it to, no, but he tells it to me straight and it's awesome. Yeah, like, oh, I know. Yeah, I can't be perfect, Rich, <laughs> but he's been a really big support system for me and, and my family has been great but so many yeah. people even that I went to school with to pursue this career path are no longer doing it anymore and I think it's because kind of a similar thing people people uh, when other people didn't have the belief in them so they didn't have the belief in them yeah if you're a young girl who wants to do what Stormy and I do just know that if us two weirdos can do it you can do it <laughs> if these knuckleheads can do it anybody can do it <laughs> okay this question from Amy This isn't going to make you cry. (laughs) Do you believe in Bigfoot, aliens, and ghosts? Because I have very strong, strong opinions about all of these three subjects. So I'm going to take this one first, Stormy. Hell yes. Those (laughs) things exist. If you tell me that you think that Bigfoot, aliens, and ghosts don't exist, I don't want you in my little universe. Because in my universe, those three things 100% exist. And I don't think they look like little the little green men. Maybe they do. I don't know. But if you, you really think there's no living life 
outside of our tiny little world. Like, we're just a little dot of sand in the universe. There are 100% aliens. There's ghosts. What about Bigfoot? Strong feelings on Bigfoot, Alyssa? <laughs> yes, Bigfoot, Slenderman, all of these creatures, they exist. <laughs> and just because it, ex- it might only exist in your head doesn't mean it's not real. Oh, so. my gosh. Bam. So, okay, Stormy, how do you feel? Wow. Answer carefully. Um, okay. I do agree with the idea that there's something else out there. I don't think they've come down to a UFO <laughs> in a UFO um, to Area 51, but like, I'm not, I don't not believe it. I, but I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong. Are we still storming Area 51? Only if you <laughs> want to get arrested. So I would like, suggest not. <laughs> I don't think that worked out. No. So I don't know if I believe in aliens and like that concept, but I think that there, I think there's something out there. Bigfoot. Mm, maybe you just saw like a big bear or like a guy that was dressed weird and that's what you're calling Bigfoot and you didn't have the cameras on the iPhones that you have now (laughs) to be able to take a good picture. So if we can't find Bigfoot now, then no, I don't think that he exists. Thank you for your opinion, Stormy. That is wrong. Continue. (laughs) Ghosts. I don't know. I don't know about ghosts. That one's a... I, I believe in like spirits. (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't think there's a Casper out there, but I would, be- I believe in extraterrestrial. Oh my gosh, I would love that. Yeah. I would love I'm if sorry, there was that a Casper out there. does not exist, but. <laughs> you know what I just randomly thought of? This is so off topic, but I just want to make sure that it makes the pod. I wonder how many people that talk to Justin Timberlake <gasps> work in different song quotes to him. Like, oh man, yeah, that was a rough day. What, what goes around comes around. You know what I'm saying? You ever thought that? I like, can't think oh, of yeah, any just... rough day. Cry me, cry me a river. Cry me buddy. a river. Cry me a river. <laughs> you know who is a man of the woods? Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Way to make it go full circle. <sighs> okay. So I want to know what you guys think about particularly Bigfoot aliens and ghosts because I could go on for a full podcast episode discussing these things, but uh, that would not get approved. So let us know after you listen what you think because I want to chat with more people about this stuff. Well, as fun as that was, <laughs> um, that's going to do it for this episode of Game Misconduct. Thanks for tuning in and a big thank you again to the incredible Catherine Tappen. She's just such a great representative for women in sports, women in broadcasting, um, just women in general, the way that she carries herself. And we're really, really grateful that we were able to have her on the show today. Make sure that you subscribe to us on all of the platforms where you can listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts. And remember, there's more game misconduct than you think.